All right, wrap up that conversation, please. Find your way back to your seat and we'll get going here momentarily. I always feel bad on Sundays when the preacher's the one that calls us back from fellowship break. Sorry to break up your fellowshipping. Um, Great to be together this morning as a church. A baptism Sunday, I pray, encourages you deep in your soul of the reality of the gospel and who Jesus is. There's something special about a day like this, isn't there? So, all right, before we begin, I want to take a minute to ground us in where we are in the pulpit and where we're going. Next week, we're going to start a series through the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to be doing that together uh, multiple Sundays. That'll take us all the way to Advent. And then after Advent, the beginning of the new year, we'll pick up Deuteronomy again. If you haven't had a chance, listen to one of our elders, Josh Matthews, preached a great sermon on the whole book of Deuteronomy earlier this summer. Listen to that. Prime the pump before we gather again next week. Today, this morning is our last message in our series where we've been going through our church's distinctives. And by distinctives, we mean the values that shape the attitudes and actions of our community in order to keep us on mission. This morning, for our last distinctive, we're going to focus on membership. And to help us do that, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12 together, specifically verses four and five. So make your way, I hope you have a Bible in front of you, make your way to Romans chapter 12, put your finger on the text, verses four and five. And as you make your way there, I wonder for those of you here today who are Christians, do you see and experience your Christian life in more individual terms or in more corporate terms? And why? For any of you that are here today that aren't Christians, first, we're really glad you're here. Church is the best place to consider and reflect on the claims of Jesus Christ. But I wonder for you, as you consider who Jesus is, do you think that has implications for you in terms of relationships and community? And I ask those questions because in seeing what the Bible says about local church membership, we're going to be confronted with the reality that in our context, each and every one of us in this room, me too, we tend to see life and spirituality in individualistic terms because that's the air we breathe. The book Bowling Alone speaks to this dynamic. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the book Bowling Alone, written by a guy named Robert Putnam in the early 2000s. The subtitle of the book captures the big idea the collapse and revival of American community. Boiling alone began to point to what we now know as the epidemic of loneliness in our culture. In Bowling Alone, the author shows, listen to this, that over the last generation or two in America, attendance at club or community meetings has dropped 58%, family dinners have dropped 43%, And having friends over has dropped by 35%. I bet you'd agree with me that we're closer in some ways thanks to technology, and yet we're more and more isolated from one another, aren't we? You can scroll through the screen in front of you, but not really be seen and not really be known 
and not really have real trusted relationships, the kind of relationships we're made for and designed for. This loneliness too, it manifests itself in so many ways in us and around us, doesn't it? From anger to depression to tribalism. So bottom line, as it's been said, we crave community, and everyone nods their heads, even as we seek to avoid it. That's what we're going to press into today. I bring this up again because when we're talking about local church membership, that's what we're talking about today in our last sermon in our distinctive series, about why local church membership is true and good and important and beautiful. And we're going to see that what the Bible has to say about membership is going to push against the bowling alone type of trends we see all around us. And again, if we're being honest, the same type of trends that are shaping us and how others experience us as well. So what does God's word have to say about it? I'm glad you asked. Look down, Romans chapter 12, verses four and five. I'm gonna read it aloud together for us. This is God's word. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Please bow with me in prayer. I'm going to pray for us before we begin. Father, we need you today. Through your word and by your spirit, may you shape us into a people who are in step with the gospel. Open your word to us this morning and open us to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, together in our time today, we're going to consider two questions. First question is, what is church membership? And then second question is, why does it matter for us? So first, what is church membership? Again, just look down at the Bible in front of you at Romans chapter 12. Notice the context, what comes right before verses 4 and 5. Notice verses 1 and 2 that some of you in this room are really familiar with. What's it say? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. These are really key verses, but too often we don't read them in context. We pluck them out, And we have a tendency to only see them and understand them and apply them in individual terms and what it only means for me and my life. But notice the movement of the text. Look right down at what comes next in verse 3. Verse 3 quickly reorients us to our corporate life as Christians. And that flows again right into our verses in 4 and 5. And the membership we see here in verses 4 and 5, it's an active kind of membership where we're in real relationships with one another. It's not hypothetical, it's real. And how can I say that? Because of what comes right after our verses. Look down at verse 6. Look what it says. It calls each of us as Christians to use our gifts in the service of others and the church. So the full context of our verses here assumes that you, Christian, are living your life 
in real committed relationship with other Christians. Because these verses here in Romans 12 can only be understood if the Christian life is, lit, is one that's lived out corporately within the context of a real local church with real people. Otherwise, you're plain make-believe. That's the context, the backdrop, the upshot of our verses here in Romans 12. And the Greek, would, Greek word here for members in verses 4 and 5, it's used 10 times in the book of Romans. Men, women, when you're in your Romans Bible studies this year, look for it, circle it, do a word study on it, 10 times in Romans. And then the same word or idea here for members, it's used over 30 times across the whole New Testament. It's an important theme. It's not a sideline issue. Look down at verse 5. What are the two most vital words in verse 5? It's in Christ. The entire New Testament, the weight of the New Testament in front of you is about the Christian being in Christ and being in Christ, being in the church. Being in Christ means you're a part of Christ's church. When you're a Christian, you're a member of Christ's body. There's no other way to read the Bible correctly. If you're reading it differently, you're importing your cultural presuppositions into the text. Okay, so what does church membership mean? It means that you, Christian, are in Christ and therefore a member of Christ's body, which is his church. Again, the only way, the only real practical way to understand all the one another commands in the New Testament, the only way those make sense is if you're a part of a local church in meaningful relationships with real people, people that are in the process of sanctification, in the process of being formed in the, into the image of Christ, just like each and every one of us. People you actually have to be patient with. People you are called to love. People you are called to forgive. It assumes friction in the life of the Christian. So what is church membership? A guy by the name of Jonathan Lehman says it like this. Church membership is a formal relationship between a local church and a Christian, characterized by the church's affirmation and oversight of a Christian's discipleship and the Christian's submission to living out his or her discipleship in the care of the church. So in order to see that the truth and the goodness of membership is biblical, we need to briefly consider a few objections and maybe these are objections you've had at a certain point in your life, or maybe they're objections you bring with you today. And in full disclosure, I can talk with you about this another time. I used to be against church membership. So in God's sense of humor, I get to preach to you about church membership. So I'm finding this really fun and entertaining inside right now. Okay, so what are some objections to local church membership? First, someone might say, Okay, Mike, that's all well and good. I don't see the term local church membership in the Bible. Aren't you kind of making it too big of a deal? That used to be my objection. Friend, I would say here at Gresham Bible Church, we're happy, we're delighted, we're unashamed to make a big deal about church membership. Why? Because God's word does. And as we're going to see more and more today, 
There might not be one proof text that says, here's local church membership, here's all the details, here's how it plays out. But it's a core principle across Scripture. And I would like lovingly ask you, if you're not seeing it in your Bible, what are you looking for? It's everywhere. Asking where the Bible instructs you to be a member of a church is like asking where the DMV insists you're a human to get a driver's license. It's assumed you have to be human to get a driver's license. You need to be. You have to be a member of a church family in order for what we see so much across Scripture to make sense and actually be true in your life. All right, objection number two. Someone might say, I'm a Christian, but I can't find a church I like. After all, I'm a member of the universal worldwide church, so why do I have to be a member of a specific local church? In one sense, yes and amen. We are all members, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, of the universal church of all the saints that have gone before us from every nation and tribe and tongue and all that awesome stuff, okay? But if your objection to being a member of a local church is just because, hey, I'm a member of God's big worldwide church, I'd offer you two brief thoughts to consider. First, I'm just going to say it. Your, obje- your objection is not biblical. Every letter in the New Testament assumes that the norm for Christians, again, the norm, maybe there's exceptions in different times and places, but the norm for Christians is that they're members of local churches. Most of the books in the New Testament themselves are addressed to churches, aren't they? Church matters to God. And because church matters, that means that membership matters. Second, to say that you're a member of God's big worldwide church, so you don't need to be a member of a local church, whether that's this church or some other gospel-centered, word-driven church in our area, to say you don't have to be a member of the local church, honestly, it's just not possible. How can you be a part of the larger church if you're not first a part of the more immediate local church? It sounds really good and it sounds really spiritual, but it doesn't have weight behind it. It'd be like me saying like, I love music. I'm a fan of music. And then my family or friends say, Mike, but you never listen to music, right? It would just be something I like to say to maybe fuel my identity, but it's not real in my life. To say, hey, I'm a member of God's big worldwide universal church and not be a member of a real actual church in your time and place, it doesn't add up. One more potential objection. Man, I'm just like hitting all the negatives today, aren't I? All right, one more potential objection to local church membership. It's often not an objection like that's expressed maybe verbally in conversation you're in with someone, but it's an objection that's lived out in practice. Here's what I mean. That is the practice and even habit of drifting between churches. Local church membership isn't convenient if you see yourself as a spiritual consumer and the church as the provider of the goods you need at that point in time. That is, until the next church pops up down the street, the next church that maybe you like their music better, they're dressed a lot cooler, they maybe fit your certain preferences, maybe socioeconomically, maybe ethnically, 
maybe like your third level favorite doctrinal issue, right? That happens. There's reasons why people leave churches. I'm not saying there's not good valid reasons sometimes to leave a church, but what I'm saying is the objection to local church membership is often lived out in practice in this kind of way. Drifting through churches is an all-too-common objection to local church membership. C.S. Lewis speaks to this kind of drifting in his book, The Screwtape Letters. In The Screwtape Letters, Lewis writes about this master demon named Wormwood who writes letters to his protege on how to deceive someone from really trusting and following God. Listen to the dynamic of drifting through churches and how Wormwood, the chief demon, writes about it. Wormwood says, Surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. So if we're being honest, a taster or connoisseur of churches is going to find reasons to not agree with, to dislike membership in the local church, okay? Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Clive Staples Lewis, okay? All right. So however convincing or common these objections may be, the weight of Scripture clearly shows us that local church membership matters. And this is because local church membership is a tangible and formal recognition of a spiritual reality, of you, Christian, being in Christ. So therefore, being in Christ, you are a member, you are a part of Christ's body. All right, this leads us to our second question today. Why does all of this matter for us on a baptism Sunday? And this is our last sermon, right, in our series through our church's distinctive. So I want to focus and kind of land here for a few minutes and spend a brief amount of time looking at a few reasons why we, Gresham Bible Church, value church membership. So first, we value formal local church membership because the metaphors for the church in Scripture, again, only make sense They only become real when we assemble as a church. Think of all the ways, all the metaphors, the church is described in the New Testament. Probably they're coming to mind right now, right? The church is Christ's flock. He's the chief shepherd of it. The church is Christ's body. It's his household, his building. It's his bride. So think about it like this. If me, you were a part, were an individual member of Christ's body, of his church, right? One limb doesn't make a body, does it? Let's say my arm just falls off right here, and my arm is sitting next to me. First, that'd be gross and concerning, right? But secondly, that would not be my body. My body's over here, and an arm that used to be part of my body is now sitting separate, disconnected from my real body. We have to see ourselves in full body terms. We're a part of something greater than ourselves, a member of the body of Christ. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, Christians are told, we're instructed, we're commanded to not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. So why is that in our Bible? The reason why 
is because each of our tendencies is towards isolation, not involvement. It's to see ourselves only as the single part rather than the part in relation to the fullness of the whole. But again, God's word, and I I would like encourage you to challenge me on this. Like, let's open our Bibles together, hang out over coffee, go to Gresham Burrito and talk about it. Where in your Bible do we have a category for an unattached member as a Christian? To live the Christian life is to live as a member who is attached to God's body, which is his church. So second, here at Gresham Bible Church, we value church membership because it helps locate us in a particular church, in a particular place, with a particular set of people. And all of that is really, really good for us. Formal local church membership helps us live embodied lives as Christians. So think about it. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, embodied himself to save us. And our lives as Christians are to be embodied as well. And I don't have the time today to walk through all the implications of this because it has a lot of implications. Here's one, two. As we've heard the last two weeks on the ordinances, God in his kindness to us, because we're embodied people and we're called to be an embodied kind of church, gives us the ordinances of the Lord's Supper and baptism. This also means that church is embodied. It means that if all you're doing, and I'm just going to say this, give me grace, if all you're doing is watching your favorite TV pastor or preacher, if all you're doing is listening to your favorite podcaster, that's not church. You are in isolation. You are not a real functional member of Christ's body. You're a consumer, not a member. Those things are good. I have certain podcasts I like. I have certain preachers I like, but that's not church. You with, I don't care how awesome your cup of coffee is. I don't care how comfortable your sweatpants are. I don't care how comfortable your couch is. If you're just sitting there watching the screen, brother, sister, that's not church in a biblical kind of way. That's only living a disembodied experience as a consumer and not a member, a part of the body of Christ. So again, the reality that church is embodied, it also helps us see, one more implication I don't want us to miss here, it helps us see that local church membership, it has an implication to it. It has like a a, a structure to it. It has an order to it, honestly, like a taxonomy to it. Local church membership helps you focus and prioritize, not exclusively, but it helps you prioritize who you're to do life with who you're to live out all the one another's of scripture with. And the one another's are commands. This means local church membership doesn't necessarily raise the bar for Christians. You're like, yeah, that's great, Mike. Local church membership is like for the all-star Christians. It's for the Christians on the varsity team. No, uh, none of us are on the varsity team because of the gospel. It's for each and every one of us if we're thinking clearly as Christians founded on the word of God. Local church membership for the Christian is more like the floor, and it's the normal kind of life we're each called to. So maybe right now this gives you pause because you have like this deep intuition and maybe you can't even give words to it. It's like a presupposition that real, authentic, vibrant spirituality in Christianity is like organic, man. 
and you just got to go with the flow, man, and don't crimp my style, man. And I get that. Uh, dad, if you're listening to this, my dad's a Christian hippie, so I, I get all those things, right? But if you look at scripture, like order and structure is good for us as Christians. It's part of who his bride is, of Jesus's church, right? Maybe you don't like the feeling of expectations that formal church membership requires, but it's good for us. Scripture shows us that order in the local church is necessary and it's a good thing. And I could talk to you about this for a long time. You're like, yeah, Mike, I know you're talking to us a long time. I I love this. I think it's really important for our life today. Uh, I'll just give you a few quick examples. Acts chapter six, there was a specific plan to care for widows in the life of the church. There was structure, there was order. Or Acts 20, a charge is given to the Ephesian elders and Paul charges these elders these under-shepherds, these overseers, Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So there was order and a boundary for who these brothers were to primarily shepherd. Or in the book of Titus, Paul says he left Titus in Crete so that you might put what remained into order. Okay, Paul, what did you mean? What remained to be put into order is establishing elders in each of the local churches. Order is important in the life of the church. It doesn't curtail vibrant spirituality. It's good for you. It'd be like if a fish says, yeah, to be really free and vibrant, I just need to live in the air. (laughs) The fish would die. The water's good for the fish. Structure in the local church is good for us. Another way to see this is that the pattern we see across the New Testament is that someone is converted, praise God, then they're baptized. We've got to witness that today, praise God. They're added to the fellowship, and then they're involved in the fellowship. There's a continuum and a structure to our lives as Christians in the life of the local church. Okay, I want to... Like, take a deep breath real quick. This is the last in our distinctive series, right? Todd's done an awesome job the last two Sundays. Thank you, brother. Helping us better understand baptism and the Lord's Supper. I want to give you, parents of Gresham Bible Church, if you're a member of our church, I want to give you a loving encouragement. In light of the pattern of Scripture that we see, I want to lovingly encourage, if you have kids with you in church, that it's best, it's normal in Scripture and across church history that you're baptized before you partake of the Lord's Supper. If you want to talk with me about that, I'd love to. Any of the other elders would. We're going to be talking about this more in our membership meeting at the end of October. I just want to lovingly encourage you with that pattern, that normative pattern we see in Scripture. Again, let's hang out over coffee and talk about it. All right, another reason why we value church membership here. It's because it's how to follow Christian leaders and because it's how leaders lead. This means so much to me as a fellow member of this church and as one of your elders. And how can I say that? It's because of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. 
Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So first, formal local church membership helps you know which Christian leaders, Christian, you're called to submit to. It helps you obey God's word. Like, I would just ask you to think about, without formal church membership, which leaders are you supposed to obey? The ones you flip through the TV and see? Again, your favorite podcaster? A church you used to go to 10 years ago? Some random church in your neighborhood? Like, how are you supposed to be about Hebrews 13, 17? Who are you supposed to submit to in appropriate, loving, gracious kind of way if you're not a member of a local church? Again, a key part of the Christian life is appropriately submitting to those in leadership over you. Local church membership helps you actually do that, not just in theory, but in practiced reality. And at the risk of sounding (laughs) self-interested, I'm just going to bear my heart to you right now. This is so important for us as your elders. Formal church membership helps us lead. And again, this is significant from my perspective. Hebrews 13, 17 says that an elder is to keep watch over your souls with joy as one who will have to give an account to God. The God of the universe, each of your under shepherds in this body are going to give an account to. That is sobering stuff. So think about the benefits of this dynamic for you. There are dear brothers in this church who volunteer to be your spiritual shepherds. Not because they have it all figured out, not because they want to lord it over you, but because they want to work with you for your joy. They are volunteering to give an account before God for you, members of Gresham Bible Church. We're willing to care for you and accept this level of responsibility. Do you see what a blessing that is for you and how scary that is for us? This is the kind of stuff scripture calls us into. It's difficult and unhealthy to live the Christian life if you're only living it in a universal church kind of way, in an ethereal in the shadows kind of way without being planted in a specific local church with specific under-shepherds who care enough about you to be willing to give an account for God for you. Under-shepherds are given to the local church. They're not given to the universal church. Jesus is the chief shepherd of his church, Scripture tells us, right? And praise God he is. We say that unashamedly here at GBC. And Jesus charges his under-shepherds, his elders, his pastors to feed my sheep, he says, to Peter and then to extension to all those that follow. And that feeding happens primarily in the life of a local church. And what we as your elders are to feed the sheep with, what we're to unite in and under is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is over and against Anything and everything this world offers you to unite in. The world calls us, it tempts us to unite in our identity politics, doesn't it? Maybe in our hobbies or our nationalities or ethnicities. 
The gospel unites across all of those lines. It explodes those lines. It runs deeper and truer underneath all of those things because the gospel is through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's more satisfying and stronger and truer than any other of these derivatives of identities and unity. That's how local church membership calls us to as your elders and how we want to pastor you. So because of that, members, you are responsible for this. Like in the book of Galatians, remember we went through it recently, right? They're charged to not accept any other gospel. The book of Galatians wasn't written to the elders. It was written to the whole church. So members of Gresham Bible Church, you can and should expect of your elders and anyone who fills this pulpit to graciously, courageously, and relentlessly, unashamedly preach the gospel. That's our primary responsibility, and that's the only way it can be for your joy. So as an elder, without formal church membership, I'm just going to say it this way. How do I know who I'm to keep watch over? How do I know who I'm going to give an account for? Is it the person that just attends a few times? Where's that line, right? We don't have to have it all figured out, but let's live into the principle of this. Where am I and your other elders supposed to prioritize our shepherding? Again, who are we to give an account for? Formal church membership is a blessing both to the congregation and to the elders, the pastors of a local church. I'm trying to make a convincing case for you that membership in the local church matters, and the reason why I'm doing it is because the weight of Scripture calls us to that. So fourth, we value membership in the local church because it enables church discipline, and church discipline is a good thing. So when you hear church discipline, when I hear it, like defenses go up, right? Oh, church discipline, Mike, why do we have to talk about that? But look at this this next week. In Matthew 18, it gives us the pattern, a pattern for discipline in the local church. Right before the verses about church discipline, it talks about Jesus is our good shepherd, who pursues the lost sheep, right? So we can know and trust that appropriate church discipline is good for us because Jesus designed it. So why does local church membership matter to that? If you look at Matthew 18, look at verse 17, the last step in this kind of church discipline, this person's supposed to tell it to the church. Well, if you're not a member of a church, who are you supposed to tell it to? Like, are you supposed to like be Martin Luther and like nail it to church's doors? Do you post it on their social media pages? Do you do blast emails? Do you just randomly show up like the town crier? Hear ye, hear ye, and I tell it to some random church. It doesn't mean anything. Matthew 18 verse 17 doesn't really have weight in our lives unless you're committed to a particular local church family. Bottom line, formal church membership enables us to do what Scripture calls us to in our context. So to summarize, God's plan is that you, Christian, would belong to a local church because it's for our own good and maturity, it's for the good of others, and it's good for the advancement of the gospel. All right, briefly, as I'm trying to ignore the baptismal draining behind me, as we move to a close, you could be agreeing with everything I've been saying right now, right? 
But I don't want you to walk away from this message only having the practical elements of church membership ringing in your ears. What I want to have ringing in your ears and filling your heart is what church membership costs and who is feeding it. So about what it costs, I mentioned Acts chapter 20, verse 28 earlier. There it's talking about the church, and it says that God obtained the church with his own blood. So what did it cost to constitute the church? It cost nothing less than the atoning blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. The church isn't cheap. God formed the church at great cost to himself the cost of his son. The church is the bride of Christ and he died to save her. So when we're talking about the church, we are talking about glorious, holy kind of stuff. And who nourishes the church? Who cherishes the church? Listen to what Ephesians chapter 5 verses 29 and 30 say. Ephesians 5, 29 and 30, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. So think about that. Jesus Christ nourishes and cherishes his church right now at this very moment. That is what he is doing. And if you're a Christian again, you're in Christ You're a member of his body. So Jesus Christ, the sovereign and glorious king of the universe, is nourishing you. No matter what you're going through right now, and I really mean that, no matter what you brought with you to church today, Jesus Christ is nourishing you. He's caring for you. And he cherishes you, God's word says. He loves you. He prizes you. He's for you and not against you. And the cross is the proof. And Jesus will keep nourishing and cherishing his church and you, Christian, until he returns, until we're all wrapped up in and participating in Revelation 7 together, right? When it says the great multitude of people from every tongue and nation and tribe will gather together, praising God and proclaiming, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So someday, Jesus' church will be with him forever in joy everlasting on the new heavens and new earth. Church matters to God, so it should matter to us. And maybe here as we move to a close, if you're here today again and you're not a Christian, we are really glad you're here. You're welcome here at Gresham Bible Church. And I don't think it's by accident that you're here today to hear about church membership. So in hearing about this, I'd encourage you to consider who Jesus is and the cost he was willing to pay for the forgiveness of your sins. Because you can't redeem yourself. You can't solve your own guilt or your own shame. Only Jesus can do that. And the cross is the proof. So if you're not a Christian, let me encourage you, today would be a great day to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. I would just ask you, like, if if that makes you hesitant, why? If Jesus is as good as he says he is, as what we've briefly looked at today, and the cross is the proof, why are you hesitant to entrust your life 
to Jesus Christ. So in closing, I hope you can agree with me that membership matters. And why does membership in the local church matters? It matters because of the identity the gospel gives you as a member of Christ's body if you're a Christian. And because when Jesus saves you, he saves you into something. He saves you into his church because the gospel has corporate and cosmic implications. Church membership matters for the glory of God. It matters for each of our discipleship and our joy. It matters for the health and witness of the local church, like us as Gresham Bible Church. And it matters for the adornment and the advancement of the gospel until our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returns in glory. So who are we as Christians? And who does Romans 12, 3 and 4 tell us we are? That we're one body in Christ and that we're individually members of one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's a light to our feet. We thank you that you are the good shepherd, and you call us, Lord, into pastures of joy everlasting. We thank you that following you is the good life we all long for. Lord, I pray that you will bring confession and repentance where needed today. I pray that you will shape us and form us into a church, Lord, who treasures your gospel and who seeks to advance your gospel and is unashamed of your gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.